good news everyone talking futurama is coming back for talking futurama season two part two fresher than a summer ham this podcast comes every friday and if you sign up at the five dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you can hear each episode as it goes live that's right sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for five dollars to hear talking futurama every friday throughout the rest of 2020 and also all the previous episodes we've done so far so head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons now or we're gonna clamp you shut up and take my money i heartily endorse this event or product Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that's smothered in bargain basement lime green polyester. I'm your host, Scout Blaster Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and my mother told me never to kiss a fool. And who do we have on the line? It's Mark Malkoff. And today's episode is Simpson and Delilah. You know, some women find bald men quite virile. Marge, weren't you listening? This is a miracle breakthrough, not one of these cheapo sucker deals. Today's episode aired on October 18th, 1990, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, a Florida jury acquits two live crew on obscenity charges, George Steinbrenner hosts Saturday Night Live, and on The Tonight Show this very night, Jay Leno is the guest host for guests Kadeem Hardison and the Neville Brothers. Ooh, he's already planning his coup. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I remember the two live crew thing, uh, but it, it, it's a shame on Florida, but it also, yeah. like, it, it only began the, the self-righteousness of Florida, I suppose. It says uh, it's an important landmark case in free speech history. Mm-hmm. Was that yeah. the Bad As We Want To Be album? Bad As... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wait, am I thinking of the Charles Barkley autobiography or Dennis Rodman? Oh, wait, that is... Yeah, yes. but uh, it banned in the USA. Well, that was their sequel one too yeah right? but uh and i for the george steinbrenner snl even as a as an avid viewer of snl reruns as a child i i don't remember one breakout sketch from it i'm sorry i think it was as nasty as they want to be ah, okay. yes thank you I, I, I can actually do the episode breakdown the cold open was Ooh. george steinbrenner at yankee stadium he's having a dream in his dressing room and it's and he's fantasizing it's this dream and he's dreaming and, and he's, he's at yankee stadium and he's playing every single position there because he's such a <laughs> control freak and then the, the main sketch that they wrote that, that really uh, did well was george steinbrenner playing a boss that had trouble firing people because he was so known for firing people and he was like who would be so dumb to be firing all those people and that was one of the episodes actually that conan uh, o'brien i think he was with greg daniels when they tried to go in okay. and, and, and talk to him and try to convince him to do something uh, Steinbrenner was not very happy and uh, snapped at them. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> when I think of George, St- uh, George Steinbrenner, I see the back of a man and I hear Larry David's voice. Yes. So <laughs> I, I, I vaguely know what the real man looks like. <laughs> The I guess it's as a child watching SL reruns as a, not a New Yorker and who didn't know much about the Yankees. I the episode confused me. Also, I'm surprised. Like I don't know how often is the host in the cold open. I guess I'm just used to the last like you know 20 years. The cold open is the political thing and not uh, not the Steinbrenner I, scene. I really miss it. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day. They would open cold with things like that all the time. I, I'm guessing just because it's YouTube now and it's just in the last 10 years, it's very, very rare. But hmm. like Steve Martin, they opened up with a musical number that had nothing to do with topical, anything topical going on. And those were some of my favorites. They used to do them 
uh, pretty often. I mean, they would still do the topical stuff with like Dana Carvey or whoever doing George Bush or whatever. Phil Hartman is Clinton. But yeah, I missed that. And uh, yeah, the, in Tonight Show history in 1990, well, Jay Leno uh, with these guest host things, he must already been getting, you know, uh, this is was the tryout, right? Yeah, pretty much. He was the permanent guest host of the Tonight Show. So yeah, he was he was the, the guy that NBC was thinking about, but they hadn't made their decision yet. Mm-hmm. And of course, our guest today is Mark Malkoff of the Carson Podcast. He is a font of uh, Tonight Show wisdom. And Mark, I love your podcast. I consider it a companion podcast with the Gilbert God free amazing colossal podcast and that it teaches me about an era of show business i was barely alive and also not alive for <laughs> yeah they do a great job i'm honored to even be in the, in the same category we owe you so much for you you've uh in our and in, in our pal nick Purr, you got us into our simpsons table read and we we really appreciate that oh my goodness are you kidding me i mean i know what this is like people have been so nice to me doing things like this and i mean obviously and i've been friends with nick for years and i took him one time and it'd been a couple years and nick was gonna fly to uh la like he did the last time um i was out there for some work and um, it was one of those things like Nick's like, I can't go, but is there if there's any way these two people that you do not know that are <laughs> complete strangers can go with you? And um, after he gave me some back history, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. I mean, I, that was really cool just being with you guys because, you know, the show so, so well. And if anybody should have been at a, at a table read, um, it's you guys. Well, oh, we thank nice. you for the hospitality and also for shoving us at James L. Brooks and Megarani when we were too shy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys, I, it was it's interesting. Like, you guys are very respectful, which I, I, I am too. But at the same time, when you go to those things, because um, I've been to them, people go up to them and they're really friendly. Like, when, when I, I took you guys and we went up to, to Matt Groening and we talked, he was really uh, genuinely interested that you had the, the Simpsons podcast. You talked to him a, a about it. I remember Yardley Smith, after the taping, was hanging out with you guys for, like, I don't know, it looked like five minutes, probably more. <laughs> she is a fellow podcaster. Yes, yeah. That was, uh, man. And now, now I just think, like, will there ever be another table read like that for The Simpsons again? like uh it's hard going back to the second like sometimes when it's like the second thing of something it's not as good but um if i can do anything um and i don't know if i can it would be fun to to go back i loved going with with you guys just because uh you got to 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 meet all the people and you were really excited i was excited too but i I know that you guys on a different level for sure (laughs) the carson podcast you know on it you've you've chatted with so many people like not just people who worked on the show but also like regular guests on the show and i i really enjoy the ones you've done with like simpsons legends like al Jean and mike reese about their their time on the show yeah they were great i really um enjoyed uh talking to uh, both of them al's been on i think two times and um yeah it was one of those things where they were at the tonight show with carson for like a year or something like that and that was back when carson wasn't very accessible later after they left he was he'd have writer meetings at his home in malibu and the writers would come like once a week but um yeah they didn't really have access him and then in 93 which i'm guessing you're gonna get to i think it, it was 93 that's when Car- johnny carson came into the simpsons mm-hmm. and did his his voice and yeah basically the, the, al, al and mike told everyone he, he carson's not going to talk to anybody he's going to be in and out mm-hmm. and it was the complete 
opposite. <laughs> you know, Carson was retired and was just hanging out and everyone was having a great time and it was making everyone laugh. Yeah, it sounded like Gene and Reese worked with him at a very dark time in his life. Mm-hmm. He went through so many divorces and so many tragedies. Um, so, yeah, it was one of those things like Steve Martin said he was like the most famous man in America. And it's just self-protection. He was definitely more accessible than some uh, than a- another host or two. I'm not going to mention. But yeah, he, he definitely near the end was a lot easier uh, to get to. But he had a really good time over. He drove himself over to the Fox lot and was telling the Simpson writers afterwards stories about how Bob Hope... Um, <laughs> was was not his favorite guest and, <laughs> and, and why and how he just couldn't believe Bob Hope stayed way too long when he should have retired. I mean, he was doing it up until he in his 90s and Carson just just didn't get that. And uh, I I know we we both interviewed Reese. Now I'm wishing though when we had done it that I had seen the Alf clip show that they did in '88 that yeah. was just filmed on the Carson set that Gene and Reese wrote on. Basically, used oh, a lot yeah. of uh, I think they used a lot of jokes that were rejected by Carson because I think uh, Reese told the story in your podcast, Mark, that they had to write basically 20 times the amount of jokes that were actually used, and they were thinking in their heads, if you just had us write fewer jokes, they'd all be good. <laughs> That's really funny. I want to mention Mike Reese. I've never said this publicly and i think he'll be okay with it he is the only guest in the history of the podcast that made made he made me um uh, take him out to dinner <laughs> afterwards with his wife denise and uh, no one has ever done that like i had gone out with people and hung out with him socially but like he was like what am i gonna get? like he's basically like i do these podcasts all the time um can i get something out of it like dinner or something <laughs> i'm like if you want to hang out with me for dinner so Christina came with me and we had dinner afterwards, but that was, that was definitely, I was strange. I'm like, he really wants to hang out with me more, but Hey, got a, he got a free dinner and I, I know he needs the money. I would pay for a pizza for a millionaire just to hang out with him for another hour, yeah. honestly, for extra Simpson stories. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. We had a good time. I, I I don't know if him and Denise are currently here. I mean, their home is here with with other, everything COVID. I haven't talked to them. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a, a while. But yeah, it was good hanging out with him for sure. Based on Reese's tweets, he's still he's still traveling around a bit. I just saw yeah. like in the last week he was in some faraway country uh, in his in in the same rugby shirt he always is wearing. He's oh, I, wow. I want to steal that look. I like <laughs> that look. It's just yeah, it's consistent. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real dad look, but he's not a dad. So yes, yeah. He's stealing no. dad valor. <laughs> dad and <spirit. laughs> Uh But yeah, so I mean, uh, Mark, you, we, I remember us chatting about it on the day, uh, but you, you were uh, a Simpsons fan of the same style we were like from starting from around the same, like from season one or even earlier. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it to Matt Grain and we were we were all talking about it that I mean, I, I was watching it during the Tracy Ullman years when they were just, you know, featured on the show very quickly, kind of crude drawings. But no, I was sucked in right away. And I remember watching episode one and it was so exciting. I remember when the T-shirts, the Bart T-shirts came out and it was like this competition to be the first person to get them. They were strangely, I mean, they were at the beginning, at least they were hard to get. Um, And then they became ubiquitous. Um, But at the time it was like, it was kind of like we're in Air Jordans, but uh, (laughs) I don't know, in in the Simpsons way. (laughs) I mean, have you, you know, as such a, a late night historian, do you do you think about how the the Simpsons connection to to late 
not not just you know Gene and Reese and and Conan and also like so many as we found out from doing the, the research on like the first run of of writers like a number of them came from Letterman too oh, yeah like Je- my George Meyer and uh Jeff Martin among them yeah yeah no definitely you know Saturday Night Live you had a, a couple like Ian Maxtone Graham who who was there for um quite a, quite a bit yeah I mean it definitely the Simpsons I mean I, I say a handful of things have influenced comedy um Dave Letterman for sure his sensibility um is seen everywhere probably I mean he and I've talked to well-known people about this in comedy and like it, it's it's a fact that he influenced more comedy in the last 30 years than anybody and uh so Dave and then the Simpsons yeah you just see it in pop culture you just see it playing to the top of, of of one's intelligence and what definitely what's capable with animation oh my goodness it was definitely one of those things where you you can just tell that people um just want, like we're, we're gonna like we're gonna step up our game mm. and uh yeah that that's definitely um yeah beyond and impact and uh and yeah i i remember watching this episode live i thought Me too. I, I think the um i think there was like a commercial that was all of uh, like a preview of like in season two crazy stuff and it was like a, about more than one episode and just the shot of homer with hair i was like wait what it's <laughs> hair like that it's it's funny to think of a time in the show when there was so much unexplored territory that just the idea Homer gets hair like that can be a whole episode. And you can really tell who the writers were in love with compared to the audience because the first two production episodes are Burns centric. The first production episode is Burns running for mayor. I'm not going to say the full title. It's a mouthful. The second production episode is this one. And it's Burns promoting Homer. So they were so obsessed with Burns right from the start of the second season. (laughs) If this had aired in production order, Homer would have ruined his political campaign and Burns would swear revenge. And the very next week, (laughs) Burns would hire Homer to be a junior executive and then be very forgiving of him. So I I think it's it's better this one aired before Three Eyes on Every Fish. And there is a, a new composer for this episode. So season two is weird in that there are three different composers. Eventually, Alf Clausen will take over in the fourth production episode. But this composer only composed one episode of The Simpsons. This is it. His name is Patrick Williams. And the connection is that he uh, scored uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show uh, and Lou Grant and uh, I believe Rhoda as well. So mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure Brooks just knew this guy and is like, okay, let's try out another guy. Because it felt like everyone they were trying out really wasn't working until they landed on Alf Clausen with the first Halloween show. And I, I think the composition in this, it's not as like, blaring as the season one stuff it's i mean it doesn't hit the sweet spot of what i think alf glossin discovered like right from his first episode but it's good it's it's fine it's fine uh musical direction in it but i think you know a composition for a live action show versus the simpsons you know it's a mary tyler moore i think had had fine music so did rhoda but it's like you know you don't really remember it and you don't need i i guess too in, in mary tyler moore like or or those a regular sitcom you're in the same set all the time there's not like action without dialogue too much you don't need to score a ton of things in the same way you have to with the simpsons and he did pass away unfortunately in uh, 2018 80, 79 so yeah. yeah this is his one uh, uh, brief you know brush with the simpsons and that was basically it so yeah no alf clausen yet but then when alf clausen does the uh, show there's an episode after that without him because mm-hmm. they're running out of production order so just want to let everyone know about that and uh you know you mentioned the those brooks shows i it's something too i forget about james l brooks is like he's such a we just think of him like he's either the simpsons guy or this oscar-winning director but like if he was just known as the guy who was you know the showrunner of the mary tyler moore show wrote 
the Lou Grant taxi, just that spate of things. And then he didn't do anything after like that would be an incredibly memorable career, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's what an incredible man. And he's the one and I'm sure you guys have talked about it so many times that really gave the Simpsons freedom. I mean, to do what they actually wanted to do and kept them the network away. Yeah, no, if he didn't creatively. Have, yeah. If if he didn't have the seniority he had and the and if Fox wasn't in the low point it was when they went to Brooks and Brooks was like so much bigger than him, they than them, he wouldn't have got that deal. I do, you know, at some point when Disney owns Simpsons, that that no notes rule is gonna go away. Mm. Like that it's it, it ha- I can't imagine it it at last in perpetuity you know and that uh, and i don't think that'll be a good time i don't know <laughs> well speaking of the corporate r- world it's something that watching this episode as a child all this viewpoint of like homer and in the business world and having to like move upward in a corporate structure that made no sense to me as a kid uh and now as an <laughs> adult i'm just like god all of this how it's just there's no meritocracy it's just a bunch of dumb luck and how you look and empty posturing like i uh, now it is a real much realer episode to me than and also the health insurance factor of it all oh yes too. yeah <laughs> the simpsons will be right back something is happening to homer simpson <laughs> something wonderful wait who is that young go-getter? Sort of looks like Homer Simpson. Something magical. Mom and Dad have been again. What can it be? He hasn't been this risky in years. I don't want to think about it. This Thursday, Homer's dream will come true. <laughs> I am here. I am here. The Simpsons, Thursday at 8 on Fox 29. We hope you guys are enjoying this week's podcast while you grow as much or as little hair as you need. And a big thank you to our guest, Mark Malkoff. Thanks so much for coming on. He's our good buddy who also hosts the Carson podcast and so many other cool things. You should definitely check out all of Mark Malkoff's stuff. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you should really check out all of the stuff we do on our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, as well as all of the awesome exclusive stuff on patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Me and Bob do this as our full-time jobs. Thanks to the support of subscribers on there who for five bucks a month, They get every episode of Talking Simpsons a week early and ad-free. You can hear next week's episode right now. The same goes for the What A Cartoon podcast. And you get a ton of extras. Like once a month, you get Talking Futurama, where we cover an episode of Futurama right now. We're in the season three, doing the same kind of in-depth chat that we do on The Simpsons each week. And twice a year, we do a weekly Patreon-exclusive miniseries covering shows like King of the Hill, The Critic, Mission Hill, and more. You can hear Talk King of the Hill Season 2 coming very soon. So please, sign up for 5 bucks a month right now at patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons to hear it all. But if you want something as fancy as the full Demoxanel plan, then you're going to want to sign up at the $10 a month level of patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. You get all those many exclusives on the $5 level and you get our most exclusive podcast each month. We do what a cartoon movie where we cover an animated feature film in the same way we cover the Simpsons and what a cartoon. 
We've covered movies very recently like Whisper of the Heart, the overlooked Ghibli classic, Dexter's Lab, Ego Trip, The End of Evangelion, and so, so many more. Over 120 hours of exclusive podcasts for you. You get the whole back catalog and a new one each month in addition to all the other stuff for just 10 bucks a month of support at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. And yeah, so, I mean, this episode begins with, uh, there's a cute little couch gag. I like their little dancing couch gag. It's fun. It's fun in its simplicity. But uh, the episode begins, I, I like the simpleness of it, too. It's the extended family just, like, sitting in front of the TV with TV trays watching a game show. Yeah, it was still in the early days when they were like, this is what most American families do. They're not at the table. They're yeah. in front of the TV. I know my family was. Yeah. Table dinners were like maybe Easter and Christmas, but that's it. <laughs> and uh, and I also like that Selma just like lights a cigarette as she's uh, like just relaxedly. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm at home. I'm smoking after the big meal. But uh, as they're watching uh, the game show in this first clip, Homer gets some good news. Okay, the capital of North Dakota is named after what German ruler? Hitler! Hitler, North Dakota? Bismarck. Bismarck. Hitler. Hey, I'm still beating you, boy. Okay, the colors of the Italian flag are red, white, and what? Blue, yellow, orange, red, white, black, green. Green. I was right! (laughs) Okay, we'll be right back with more grade school challenge after this important message. I used to think that losing my hair was as inevitable as the tides. Then I found out about Demoxinel, the new miracle breakthrough in hair regrowth. <gasps> miracle breakthrough? There's been a miracle breakthrough? The odds are Demoxinel can help me grow as much or as little hair as I want to. Hey, today I'm gonna do it. <laughs> For your free brochure, send $5 to Demoxinel, 485 Hair Plaza, Hair City, Utah. Hair. Hair. Just like everybody else. <laughs> I love that desperation <laughs> on Homer there. That's great. But I there's a little there's so much little things in there I like uh, like the on the commercial you can hear Harry Shearer like uh, yeah. like intake air as he's about to do it because it it it's like they had the national commercial and then the local guy has to record the actual message of where to send your money and that's so good. Like it's such a great little <laughs> specific. And I couldn't pin down the exact commercial this is a parody of, but I feel like the uh, the metaphor of like running free on the beach yes. comes with a lot of medication <laughs> commercials. That's true, yeah. Though I did find one hair replacement commercial that at least has like one phrase I think they took mm, from okay. it. It's real. It's the hair maker's new permanent replacement. A whole new thing. They give you back the hair you used to have, as much or as little as you need. It's okay yeah just the as much or as little as you need that does sound like hair plugs but <laughs> that, that guy's is hair plugs yeah. yeah when if it if it says on there like they use your own hair that means they it's hair plug city yeah. i have a little uh minoxidil corner Ooh, to uh, hopefully not get too boring but in the show the parody is demoxinil and in reality it's minoxidil and uh, 30 years later these products basically support every podcast now right yeah they went like like viagra they went generic so that's what people are are uh, 
advertising on most podcasts, isn't it? So just a really brief history on that. Uh, Medoxidil was developed in the late 50s as a treatment for ulcers, but then they realized it was good at helping with hypertension. So it was approved by the FDA in the 70s. And when it was approved, they noticed a different side effect, which was hair growth. So mm. this ulcer treatment that was good for high blood pressure also made you hairier. So <laughs> all of these unexpected things are coming out of Minoxidil. So skip through all the boring stuff. In August of 1988, Minoxidil was approved by the FDA to treat baldness in men under the trade name Rogaine. So this was only two years before this episode aired. Wow. It's a Rogaine very recent at the time of this. Yeah. And in 1991, it was made available to women. And by 96, you could buy generic versions of it over the counter. And like I said before, now uh, listen to any podcast. You'll hear things from like hymns. Mm -hmm. And it covers the whole <laughs> gamut of male problems in middle age. <laughs> Full circle, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as as I understand it, Rogaine, it's, it, or similar, it's about keeping hair. It can't yeah. grow new hair, right? It's uh, it's not a magic hair growth po potion. Actually, no one really... It is for Homer in this. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, nobody really knows how it works, but it's, it's really ineffective if you've been losing hair over the course of more than five years. And also, it works in uh, areas of smaller concentration, not on a giant bald dome. Mm. So... Yeah, uh, that is essentially what Minoxidil is. A huge scientific breakthrough uh, and a fun idea for a sitcom in the uh, early 90s. It was a very, very new product back then. I wonder what Dan Castellaneta felt like doing all these lines about losing your hair and being bald. <laughs> like, I, I, I wonder if he had a good sense of humor about it or not. He was, at that point, a baseball cap guy. Mm -hmm. And I think it took him a few years before that cap came off in public. <laughs> Unlike Ron Howard, who's yeah. still, still only the Oscars is he taking that hat off uh the i did look up that monoc like rogaine was like 50 bucks a month or in 1989 la times article said rogaine was 50 bucks a month so uh the price is increased a bit for homer here or he's getting an obscene markup by the guy he goes to oh also on that as an eight-year-old like i didn't get any of those questions about you know i didn't know bismarck north dakota or or green <laughs> the the color of the italian flag i i was the right age for grade school uh championship <laughs> i really i also love in the sound design you can hear patty and selma say green twice before homer yeah. finally says it i can hear a lot of things all the chewing it's still so a very noisy chewing. show yeah. up front and also bart's still in his salmon pink shirt that he wore in bart gets an f like they haven't fixed that color thing yet i also on the commentary i didn't need them to tell me this but <laughs> on the commentary graining mentions these hitler jokes are partially done to needle him because he does not like reference to references to hitler or using hitler as a joke and that that only made hitler jokes appear more on the show <laughs> in, in this time I think. that is true uh and then homer goes to the medicine cabinet and uh they're not quite uh where they would be with sign gags quite yet uh, a lot of them are illegible mm -hmm. uh, and they don't really give you enough like space to see them all but we see all of the failed hair treatments that homer has like a hair chow bald buster gorilla man scalp blaster hair master and then there's something in the lower right corner the words i made out were you ulan bater you l-a-n-b-a-t-o-r i caught this one okay it's, it is you the letter you wanna be the letter b hair then the letter E. Okay, you boy. You wanna be hair E. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, that's quite a lot to take in. But there's things like obscuring it in, in the foreground. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think though, like um, uh, uh, this was Rich Moore, wasn't it? The director on this one. I I think his team did a really good job. Like the the background designs and detail in it. You compare it to a season one episode. Uh, like this is the first one his crew did for season two, and they have stepped it up 
big time in the design element like there's like the interior of the their bathroom for one thing or like you'll see the when they were told draw a disgusting bathroom later in this episode they do it great like they honestly do it too good and i'm like it disgusted by it but <laughs> Uh, and Hair City, Utah, not a real place. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've canceled my vacation already. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do like Marge. Marge is, is just, you know, the comforting wife of this episode. But I love how sweet she is to Homer and just like, you know, trying to make him feel good about his, how he looks. I, I like her, you know, even saying these supportive things that are the opposite of the accepted wisdom that uh, bald men are found to be quite virile. <laughs> it is interesting that in 19- they're doing uh, an episode about the male self-image because I feel like all of the 90s home improvement style sitcoms would be like a man doesn't care what he looks like he's a caveman gorilla and who cares but Homer is extremely vulnerable and the entire point of this episode is he is very insecure about his self-image which is why the ending is so sweet yeah you don't do too many episodes about being bald these i don't know it's uh i it was one of my favorite uh of the old dick van dyke shows that i used to watch i really love the one where um mary tyler moore's character outs that carl reiner is uh, oh, yeah. wears a wig on tv like that was such a, a great one just gonna say the ending was the one thing i remember from watching when i was a kid i know we're jumping a little bit but just hear marge singing tenderly there wasn't really there wasn't comedy it was just this tender moment um was the thing that really surprisingly out of all that stuff is the thing that really stood out most to me and uh and well i think vd like finds a lot of i love vd on the commentary john vd i think he is you know he's more self-deprecating and he's like very funny about like dumping on his own things that he thinks was like bad writing or or things he wouldn't write now i i like that a lot <laughs> i also that he's and he is is another like a uh, former snl guy as well like he came i think straight from snl too or maybe it was like snl army man and then and then simpsons i like too that homer says i think it is meant to be a joke homer says no cheapo sucker deals and then he's going up an escalator to like a mall <laughs> kiosk like this is the hair clinic is not <laughs> not really a doctor's office uh but uh, yes homer is uh asked for the treatment he finds out is a thousand dollars he then is told he's then handed like hair in a, bo- a bottle for 20 bucks which, hair and a drum hair and a drum that's right and any hair growth would be purely coincidental i love that that way he says that but as homer finds out the cost i love how broken he is in this scene and then the the quick turn in the in the cut a thousand bucks of all the rip off screw job chip joint <laughs> forget you pal thanks for nothing <laughs> so i say Forget you, pal. Thanks for nothing. And I storm right out of there. <laughs> That's telling him, Homer. Don't. Oh, not a tartar sauce. They call this a portion. Hey, Lenny, are you going to use all of your tartar sauce? Dry fish sticks. This sucks. Quick complete crumb dump. If I had hair, you wouldn't be calling me that. Homer, <laughs> oh, don't be a sap all of your life. Just fill out a few medical insurance forms creatively. Charge that Demoxinol stuff to the company. But it's a thousand bucks. Burns would can my butt in no time flat. Ooh, a thousand bucks? So what? To Mr. Burns, that's one less ivory back scratcher. Yeah. 
So I think we get our first real Lenny and Carl scene. Like yeah. they have their regular voices and they are like the working stiffs that we would come to know and love them as. When when we interviewed Vidi, he I think he underplayed his importance as the creator of Lenny and Carl because he just said he needed like, you know, two bodies for Homer to talk to at work and he named them Lenny and Carl and he, he was very gracious of saying other writers built them up and everything, but here they are in the second appearance like he created them in the first episode he wrote in season 1 and then here they are in his first season 2 episode and he is like giving them they're doing things that Barney Gumble can't be to Homer <laughs> like they're they are a sounding board. They are creating the next like step in the story for him. I, I will say Lenny sounds uh, different, but not. I mean, it is Shearer doing it, but it's like, I don't know. It's a whinier Lenny. Mm. It's not. It, it Lenny usually has less confidence than this, <laughs> I think. Well, we've seen how he lives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly over time, they destroy Lenny. I, I also, uh, I'm with Graining. I'm surprised they got Screwjob on television, like in 1990. That's kind of shocking. Hearing this sucks from a character on TV in 1990 was pretty risque. Only on the <laughs> yeah. Fox network. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. That's what my, uh, Milas. <laughs> Mom said, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. The first time that they ever did, and it was huge news, was when they did the Uncle Buck television show, which who was with that? Was it Kevin Meany? I oh. think was Uncle Buck. Yeah. And one of them said sucks on the air. And it was like this huge thing. That was the first time it was it was on prime time, but it might have been on Fox before, but from maybe one of the other networks. But yeah, that was definitely something. <laughs> I I love that. Just his pronouncement to dry fish sticks. This sucks. Like just <laughs> so childish. Uh, yeah. And he just shoves it with me. Like it's so uh, I, and also the design of the cafeteria, like so good. Like it's never, honestly, the cafeteria never looks this filthy when it's seen in, in most other episodes. No, they usually just have like a little break room with donuts. Yeah. yeah. They drop this lunch plan from, <laughs> the uh snpp uh, union pl contract i guess <laughs> but yeah like uh i want to go back just really quick to the to the weird hair doctor uh with kind of like the droopy voice mm, yes um, yeah he does not appear again and uh like the the name of the establishment does not have a joke name it's just like hair clinic or whatever oh, yeah, and yeah. his his name plate says h Boyle. i don't know what his name is until later in the episode when you see the contract it looks like it says harry Boyle. so ah. i think that is a season one style joke name yes yeah. so there you have uh, it folks harry Boyle does not even like return for a background appearance like as a random like <laughs> extra in any scene so it's right up there with howard's flowers or something i guess you know in the future they just have a stop honestly at this point i'm surprised it wasn't marvin monroe that does it like they they already have their stock guy they don't have you know frank yet but i also just like lenny and carl is telling homer you know like just rip off your insurance who cares like i i uh, and th thanks to this episode i do think of things as like you know ivory back scratchers or just like a thousand bucks to me is a lot a thousand bucks to my boss is seemingly nothing but i guess this episode's lesson is actually your boss counts every penny that is spent <laughs> and it is they do care a lot and he will buy that ivory back scratcher <laughs> i also this is the first time i noticed like an extra gag in there too is they're saying that burns won't notice how much it costs there's a sign on the coffee machine that says honor system coffee refills 25 mm. cents which which seems to show like they actually do care a lot about money and waste and uh, and also the way uh, Lenny puts it, like some guy who loses a finger hits a jackpot. That's the type of thinking that is expanded upon in the king size Homer episode. That's right. As Homer tries to claim disability for money. Planting the seed for the workers' comp episode. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, Homer then uh, proposes insurance fraud to H. Boyle, Doctor H. Boyle, 
and uh i do think it's weird there's a little shot of homer in a reaction shot with missing his lower hair in the drawing which i get you know there's always you know mistakes and retakes and stuff but that is such like a an unneeded shot you can just edit it out or like i don't know it's a st- i i'm surprised that was there in the broadcast version he's, he's rapidly losing hair even within the scene it's an emergency <laughs> and also it was like a runner in season two that if you needed to do something clandestine you turn on the radio and it would be to this mexican radio station just playing uh you know just uh mariachi music like this the same bits in war of the simpsons where marge and homer are having a fight in the car and they turn up this music so the kids can't hear them fight but uh, so yes homer phil uh, commits insurance fraud uh phil fills it out in the back alley gets his uh demoxanel i i like him going straight for like he g- goes upside down and happily is massaging it into his scalp that's uh takes that's quite what, a lot of work this yeah. demoxanel treatment is he doing that every night with demoxanel i think it just uses it once <laughs> <laughs> now actually marge is massaging it into his head later in the episode oh, so yeah, i think yeah. maybe after that initial <laughs> treatment you can just like just spray it on or slap it on well, that seems counterintuitive. If you're upside down like a bat, won't it drip off of your head when your head's upside down? Did they that all seems... just see Batman? Is that why he's doing that? It's got to be. Yeah. yeah, you totally. You're right. The Michael Keaton one. They... <laughs> and that's also a very ADR line where Homer say, uh, prays like, dear God, give a bald guy a break. And uh, and also I noticed the background design of the bedroom is also still following the kind of season one or shorts rule that if you have two characters in the scene but not the other members of the family you need photos of the rest of the family on the wall homer wakes up the next morning takes his mouthwash and takes off his bonnet and sees boom he's got hair like uh like two feet of hair grew on him it's an amazing product vd brings it up himself on the commentary and they all agree it's like if in the reality of this world this exists and it's only a thousand bucks other times when homer has spent a thousand dollars why can he not buy this again and have hair and why can't mr burns buy it either we have to ignore all of these questions (laughs) i will say when burns later says i knew what demoxinelli is mr science like yeah i think that does mean he's tried it and it doesn't work i think so too i caught that this time that's the that's the that i think they have a slight excuse for but for at any point in the last 30 years homer could buy this hair back i i like to think that they find out Demoxanel, if you use it for more than six months, causes cancer, and they took it off the market. And so Homer could, he couldn't rebuy it if he wanted to. But uh, I also, I remember the shock as a kid, like the answer of what would Homer with hair look like? Because Marge has a different color hair than her body, but Bart and Lisa, the yellow just extends to their hairline. And it's the same for Abe too. So you wonder like, would Homer just have yellow hair? But instead he has this brown hair that pretty much just becomes the norm anytime uh, you see uh, dudes. I mean, they also, I think in season two, just set the rule. Nobody has hair like Bart and Lisa. You can't have yellow skin into hair no you're right there were never any flashbacks to this point uh what was homer like you know when he was younger with hair what did he look like they did not show that yet so this establishes the brown hair for homer i do remember in the script for bart the general when we went over that there was a joke that abe shows bart a photo of young homer and young homer looks like bart and has bart hair but obviously that wasn't uh, done so it wasn't canon but the thought was there that bart homer with hair might have bart's hair so homer gets his hair and it becomes a lengthy wonderful life parody again i didn't get it as a kid i i had not seen i only watched those movies so i could get simpsons references me too (laughs) 
Uh, though, I mean, then I came to just appreciate Wonderful Life as a great film on its own. It's fantastic. But, yeah. And Rich Moore and his team, again, just great job. They're told, like, parody Wonderful Life, do a slow motion run. Like, there's this amazing, like, tracking shot as Homer's running down the street and everything on screen is moving. Like, that's a complicated shot to do on tel- on television animation. Moses is open at dawn. Yes, Barney is there. there. <laughs> Definitely, when you see Barney there, like, here's the president. Barney has been downgraded quite a lot from season one barney already by this point yeah he just isn't he's not the the homer friend he is like just always at moe's yeah possibly living above <laughs> moe's at this point season one barney it would have been totally normal for him in the same way that he told homer no you spent all this money at the racetrack like he would have he would have been the one to tell him to rip off burns like letty and carl this is the one of the first examples of letty and carl replacing barney <laughs> and by replacing barney it is a full downgrade for barney and he becomes like a sadder drunk because of that and also homer runs by uh the early neighbors the winfields and i i did a quick count of it and i think if you just consider the first 17 episodes of the simpsons the winfields appear more than ned flanders wow they're in more scenes than that like it's it's crazy that they were in so much that they thought the the elderly married couple that yells at homer would be this like you know constant in the series they were the statler and waldorf of uh, their time yeah uh, i like that comparison <laughs> <laughs> i like i i mean i love them yelling at homer get a haircut you hippie that's uh it, it they did just given that line to jasper the next year because jasper funnier than the Winfields. Like he's got a funny beard and all that. Uh, but yes, Homer's running down the street. He even like shouts to a funeral, and ever the people in the funeral <laughs> just smile back. Good morning. That's a good joke. One of those early morning funerals you've heard about. <laughs> got to get him in the ground by eight. <laughs> Uh, and also i love the design of the the dark-haired dude who looks just like homer except he has like curly black hair and their fun little dance together i love that and and they have the ringing you know church bells on screen just like wonderful life just to make it fully clear uh and i love him just hugging his children and rolling in the grass together it's such a fun scene and uh, and it was the first time I noticed like Snowball too is is playing with oh, Homer's yeah. hair and the, it's a good little extra lot thing there. That's very cute. And then uh, Homer heads to Jake's unisex hair palace. The return of Jake the barber, first seen in Bart's haircut, uh, and and actually the same in this season he's in the deep deep trouble video. But he basically appears once every three years after that point. <laughs> like he he cuts Lisa's hair in the uh, twenty two short films, and Bart works for him briefly in season twelve. Lisa the tree hugger that's right and he's just there for Dan Castaneda to do his uh, Floyd the Barber impression from yeah. Andy Griffith show and also like Lenny he is grandfathered in with the beard line uh deal like he gets to he gets to keep the shorts beard line but uh, I think actually yeah Jake Jake the Barber has the special he's one of the very few it's like him and Krusty and Abe, I think they're the only three characters who appear in the shorts that got to graduate into the series. And that it goes back to uh, like Life in Hell, even where uh, Matt Groening's punishment as a kid was to get his head shaved. Yes, yeah. which just seems uh, like torture to me, uh, like some kind of psychological torture. Uh, that Homer Groening, a harsh, a harsh father. It sounds like. Also, the the line of like I haven't seen you in twenty years that does imply that Homer went bald right after high school, which. They have that joke in the high school episode later this season, but then in the season three flashback, they show that Homer does, I mean, he's losing hair by the time Bart is born, but he he does still have it. Yes, as Homer comes home, Patty and Selma are rightly disgusted at first at the (laughs) idea of Homer uh, in this next clip. He's much happier at work. 
Well, just between us girls. Well, he hasn't been this frisky in years. I don't want to think about it. Daddy's home, sugar. Come here, come here, you. Whoa! Homie, my sisters are here. Ah, dinner with three beautiful women. They must be in heaven. This is her? It's really weird to see them ha- a horny for Homer. Like, that's Especially so- Patty. Yes, yeah. It's the last time she was attracted to a man, I think. It's really funny. I do enjoy how uh, the the PDA is just played on their faces. We don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good that's a good gag. I, I mean, especially like hearing Daddy's home, like, ugh, like or just the sound Marge makes the, that is seemingly Homer, like um, grabbing her in some area. <laughs> it's, it is, it is disconcerting. I, and I love Homer's like basically Lego hair is what his first haircut is. Homer <laughs> is just reflecting on the last time he thought about what an adult should look like. And that was the seventies, which is why he looks like the seventies executive yeah, after he gets yeah. uh, uh, re- uh, promoted by Burns. <laughs> the nineties had a lot of leisure suit comedy. Like it was uh, the, like the mocking of the leisure suit guys of the seventies. Yeah. Like the, uh, the powder blue prom suit or whatever yeah. like lime green business suit yeah these funny uh, and of course polyester mm-hmm. i mean there was even the entire video game series leisure leisure suit larry as well i i like that all of his friends don't understand like who uh how like wh- why homer looks different when he comes into work like they're like oh a new tie he's made of solid gold and <laughs> it's one of two times lenny doesn't know what's wrong <laughs> Uh, and uh, they they say this on the commentary track, and I double checked it. It is true. This is another like big first in this episode. It's the first time Burns is looking at a wall of monitors mm. of people. He's never uh, like in Burns' first appearance in Homer's Odyssey. He is watching Homer, but like from a window and, and watching over Homer. Or uh, they definitely are like in previous episodes omnipresent with like the telecom. But uh, even even in the Three-Eyed Fish episode that in production order precedes it, even that does not have the wall hmm. monitors. So this is a big first. Just just Burns watching a wall of footage and remarking upon it is, uh, is such a staple of the character. <laughs> it's hard to imagine him without it. It's a great way to transition between scenes because Homer is doing something you pull out, Burns is watching him do yeah. it, or uh, vice versa. Though it take Burns like five more years to inv- invest in color monitors for these things. It's still... In in 1990, it was impressive enough that it was all in black and white. Uh, but uh, yes, Burns it has to give somebody a promotion. Hey, there's something different about you, Homer. Did you lose some weight? Yeah, you look like you got a tan. Or I know what it is—a new tie. <laughs> morons, pathetic morons in my employ, stealing my precious money. This is hopeless. None of these cretins deserves a promotion. Yeah, it's in the union contract, sir. One token promotion from within per year. <laughs> Wait. Who is that young go-getter? Well, it sort of looks like Homer Simpson, only more dynamic and resourceful. Simpson, eh? (laughs) Hmm. An unspoiled lump of clay to mold in my own image. Our new junior executive. Bring him to me. Attention, Homer Simpson. You have been promoted. You are now an executive. Take three minutes to say goodbye to your former friends and report to room 503 for reassignment to a better life. 
I kept in that music there because that, that is a lot more filmic of a kind of music. Not not it really is. the tone of the show. Oh, yeah. And uh, Smithers is setting up this cast system. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Even at this point, this was the joke that Burns, who has had many interactions with Homer already to this point, doesn't recognize him. And also only for plot purposes makes the random assessment like yeah you know what this guy i'll mold him in my own image like just to his i uh, was his uh his patented unexpected change of heart that always happens That's from right. Burns. <laughs> Uh, and again, had this aired in production order, it would have been uh, that Homer just ruined his his political campaign, but he doesn't remember it. And also, I like, uh, I mean, that's a pretty good union the the power plant has, that they just give out a token promotion once a year. I, I never had that in any it, place. It feels like uh, that's all they're offered, though. <laughs> yes, yeah. They got to fight for that dental plan later, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it was fun just watching Homer getting into this new world, and then you see his his office and just um and then the guest star who i don't you guys can mention later but yeah just to see this whole different world of him uh working there was really really fun yeah i mean and him being told like you're getting a whole nother life like just to a better life than tell, <laughs> telling homer that yeah. you're not friends with these people yeah, anymore you're, you're done those are your former <laughs> friends it yeah. did i mean it, this does reflect upon like 80s executive and business culture for sure i mean it is 1990 but we're still in the 80s homer is all 80s businessman and it's a uh, uh, part of the story of this episode is homer becoming an 80s executive yeah. is what it is right I, down to the little ponytail oh god that ponytail yeah he finally grows into that ponytail i uh and it's also it's fun seeing homer doing the um uh, the fiddling with the gloves thing i kept he, i always think he stopped doing that after season one but here he is doing it there too i i guess he'll start juggling it in like season 10 or so but uh yeah so homer now has a, a tiny little office and uh i first time i caught that homer calls a resume a resume that's, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Yeah. uh and also i think it's funny this woman is like really thirsty for homer when he's like you know he does have hair but like he's in a shitty this, green leisure suit he's not yeah attractive. the stumpy guy in a ill-fitting suit yes uh, but yes, Mark, you mentioned him, the big guest of this episode who who broke a lot of barriers in this episode of television. It's Harvey Firestein, who I believe was the first credited uh, vo- uh, sorry, guest star on The Simpsons who went by his actual name. Yes, yeah, the... In the episodes that follow, they would have James Earl Jones go by his own name, and they'd have Tony Bennett go by his own name, but Harvey was the first. Mm -hmm. And in case you're wondering, uh, his trademark gravelly voice, not a health problem. He has an overdeveloped vestibular fold in his throat. Okay. So he's got like a double voice. No one talks Uh, like Harvey Firestein. It's amazing. Yeah. it's. If uh, you (laughs) try to imitate it, you'll hurt yourself, so don't do it. He's, and I mean, he's been openly gay his entire career in the 80s. He, uh, through the 80s he was a very well established like tony award-winning actor and writer uh for torch song trilogy and for what would become the birdcage la cage however it's pronounced and but it was the beginning in the 90s where i think they decided he could be on television like him being so openly gay they could put him on tv like he he did he did a one-off appearance on miami vice i saw Mm. on imdb before he did this but then after this he did like cheers and mrs doubtfire after mrs doubtfire he was just in everything independence day was after that yeah at this point in time uh, we were just two years out from the movie version of his uh play torch song trilogy and he was in that as well Mm. and uh yeah so these commentaries 
I honestly think we've talked about this before, Henry, that Al Jean is watching these episodes again in 2001, probably early 2001. So by the time season 14 rolls around, he's thinking about like, who can we bring back? What things have we not addressed yet? What scenes uh, that we deleted earlier can we put in other episodes? And in season 14, Al Jean tries to get Harvey back for the episode three gays of the condo. He sends Harvey the script. He doesn't like it. So yeah. they get another very openly gay uh, actor and comedian, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall, and he plays a different character. So Carl was supposed to come back. Uh, Carl is one of the many things that Al Jean brought back to the show after watching these episodes again for commentaries, but Carl still has not returned to the show. I'm, I'm sad Carl didn't come back for that, but not now, you know, Scott Thompson's great. He's fine. I like him. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, but it bothers me that there is a Carl with a K in the same episode as our beloved Carl with a C. Mm, Always true. bugged me. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they could have given him a different name. If you didn't know the man himself, if you were watching SNL, you probably knew the, the parody of yeah. him that John Lovitz did. Which now seems very mean-spirited and homophobic. <laughs> I yeah, I guess so, yeah. Just like, that's all, yeah, that's the only thing I knew about him. I, I mean, I didn't even know if he was a real a real guy, Harvey Firestein, but Lovitz would do the plug-away sketch. And in, and the catchphrase was always like, I just want to be loved. Is that so wrong? Yeah. I, I, my mom loved doing that impression. Like just it was. But but now I think about it like, so we're mocking a gay man for wanting to be loved. <laughs> like, is that what this joke is? It was I, It was uh, from a movie. It was yeah. actually, he had something like that in a, a TV movie that he did. And it wasn't exactly, but it was a line that he, he said um I, I yeah i forget what it is but i believe it was like an after school mark. special about aids i okay. think it was i mm -hmm. uh yeah but it's and also though knowing what snl is was uh the writer's room was about i wonder if too if those sketches were about mocking john lovitz and making him play somebody gay mm -hmm. like if that was to to be mean to him i, I don't know but he's still kicking around at uh, 66. Yes. Yeah. Knock on wood. I guess actually. Henry, I should... he's only 66. Oh, wow. There's a long future for Harvey. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this character, uh, watching this in the 21st century, it's uh, very progressive in that they uh, are getting as close as they can as saying that he is a gay character. Mm -hmm. uh, they really can't get away with that yet on, you know, broadcast TV. Uh, so that's cool. And I like it. And I like that Harvey Firestein uh, is out and he's playing this character. But he is also, and they are aware of this, like a very very tokenized character who is there to help Homer for no reason. Yes, he is he yes. is the magical uh, gay man, just like how there are magical black men in movies that, and TV that uh, serve similar roles. Like, I'm here to fix the white straight man's problems yeah. for no reason that is going to benefit me, and I'll just disappear when your problems are solved. I guess with Carl, you are to uh, assume he's in love with Homer and wants to help him, I guess. I mean, there's there's also a funny bit on the commentary like Brooke says, I wish I had an assistant this great. I know yeah, Gene says Gene. that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they're aware of it because, like, just of how much of a like a sacrificing angel he is. At the end, he he gives Homer his umbrella and walks away in the rain. Like, they know the kind of character they're writing. They're aware of it. Yes. It doesn't really make it better, but I, I do like him. He takes the fall. I mean, Homer's going to get fired, and he takes the fall. I mean, yeah, he he definitely was a, a fun character just to see how far he, he, he would go just to uh, please Homer. And in 1990, he was the first, like, one-man queer eye for the straight guy. Yes, He's, actually, he's turning around this straight slob into, uh, like, a well-dressed, uh, you know, metrosexual man, if you want to right. use that he's, word. He's doing all that. Yeah, I mean, I guess they just let you—obviously, they can't say I—they— 
didn't feel in 1990 you could say i am gay with this character but every beyond just the casting everything about carl screams gay man of 1990 like that i i the last thing i i I saw about harvey recently was unfortunately in the last like few years i'd seen him have to go on social media to, to like it's harvey weinstein everybody that's who it is it's not me i'm not that guy i'm a good guy please i because i do think on some social media uh at first when all of the weinstein stuff was happening that he had to go like don't say harvey firestein it's not that's not who did these things please and i believe they wanted to make carl look like harvey as he does in real life but he's like no no make me like a blonde adonis i don't want to look like me in this show Uh, i demand that too when i get put on the (laughs) show i want to look i want to look very different (laughs) but well that was also how different the show was then like they if you had a guest star the guest star played a person they didn't play themselves like which i guess they they still do it's kind of i'd say 50 50 a a guest star is somebody like they just had on hannibal burris to play a guest star not himself which yeah actually i was gonna ask mark have you have you watched the road to cincinnati episode which was the one for our table read i haven't i i I, for some, some reason and I, I, you know, it's so funny that that was the, the episode because I'm so I was so transfixed just on the actors doing their lines, like everything, the plot and everything. I like after it was done, I was like, what did they talk about? I mean, I was just so into the, the process, but I, I haven't seen it. I should do that after this. Yeah, I was the same way. I just remembered the broad strokes of like the road trip, but I was it's such a surreal experience that I was not like pinning down the plot elements into my brain, but watching it and sitting down like, I remember that and that and that and that <laughs> joke killed it. That joke slayed. Yeah, it's a great episode. Yeah, I should check it out. I just remember um, for the, a lot of the people that are there that are visiting and are just looking at the script almost all the time and I'm like and that's tempting and you definitely you know look at the script sometimes but I was, I just no matter what try to focus on the on the actors and just watching them do their thing because I've seen people just just like not like fans of the Simpsons that have visited that just are in their script almost the whole time and I'm like no people <laughs> It is a novelty to get caught up in like, wow, they're actually saying everything that's in here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but then you realize like, oh, no, I should actually watch the actors. And it was such a treat to be like, we, I mean, yeah, it was hard to not be transfixed of like, I am behind Hank Azaria right now. Like he is directly in front of me and I'm watching him, uh, him act out as Chalmers for the entire episode. Yeah, he was really nice. Kevin Richardson was so, so kind. I mean, they were all nice. Yes, yeah. But I remember Kevin Richardson when he was leaving. He was one of the last to leave. And I remember him waving to me when he was in his car and driving out. But uh, yeah, that was definitely a fun time. Yeah, he yeah. was. Uh, everybody was nice to us, but he might have been the nicest. He, he like, was too yeah. humble. He was. Like, we went up to him. He's like, oh, you don't want to talk to me. Go talk to them before they leave. He's like, no, we want to <laughs> talk to you. Yeah, I I had to tell him, like, I know all the other stuff you've been a voice in. I I love your work. I I hope he appreciated that because he's he is he is a voice acting legend in his own right. Even though he's like new to the Simpsons, he's been voice acting for over twenty years now, and basically everything there is. He's he's for him. It's like I feel like when he gets cast as a ninja or a Shredder, it's just like beyond. I'm Shredder again. <laughs> uh, I was Batman last week. I'm in all of the lead roles and everything. Uh, but uh, I also think it's funny that Homer 
succeeds when he's given a gay assistant it feels like hmm. it is a dueling gay assistant to smithers like oh yeah yeah they haven't i they they did have the one line of smithers saying the feeling is more than mutual to burns but they haven't really made him the um the font of gay jokes that smithers is and smithers is not gay in this episode he's an asshole is what smithers is like this is the most sinister <laughs> smithers has ever been he's a true villain in this episode yeah pure jealousy and you can just see it uh escal- escalate and and uh he's not gonna stand for it <laughs> and and i have to say in, in some of these moments i of smithers being a jerk here like when he comes in and uh, you can see he's already when he comes in and tells homer just shut up in the in the meeting don't say anything that's him trying to control things you think like is he said this to every new executive to try to keep them in their place but it also makes me think of my personal fan theory that Smithers is a Jeffrey Katzenberg parody mm. that I think and specifically when he was working for Barry Diller at Paramount I but that's you know just my speculation but when I see him being this uh, kind of political guy I am thinking this is the Jeffrey Katzenberg Smithers I'm I guess yeah he here. is at his most Katzenbergy in this episode <laughs> uh, but yes yeah, so why don't we hear the wonderful voice of the guest star hello Mr. Simpson, I'm Carl. He sounds good. Hire him. I'll call you back, Marge. Simpson, meeting in the boardroom tomorrow at 2. Just sit there and keep your mouth shut. Got it? Yes, Mr. Schmidt. He thinks he's so big. You don't belong here. Huh? You don't belong here. You're a fraud and a phony, and it's only a matter of time until they find you out. <gasps> Who told you? You did. <laughs> you told me with the way you slump your shoulders, the, the way you talk into your chest, the way you smother yourself in bargain basement lime green polyester. I want you to say to yourself, I deserve this. I love it. I am nature's greatest miracle. Go ahead, say it. I, I Trust me, Homer. I Take a step and say it. I deserve this. Louder. I deserve this. Shout it. I am nature's greatest miracle. I'll need three weeks vacation and moving expenses. You got it, buddy. Let's go shopping. <laughs> I that's, love that's uh, quite a trick by Carl. Yes, it's just like yeah. I'm gonna pump you up to actually give me all these benefits. That's <laughs> uh, a pretty good a pretty good move on his part. I also just love God the match cut of him going like let's go shopping. And then it it goes from him in his seat to being in front of the store. Ah, so good. There are some like really cool match cuts in this episode. Uh, Rich Moore is amazing. Yes, yeah. I mean, there's there's a reason he went on to be an Oscar-winning director of of Disney films. Like, there's he's he and uh, would direct like two of the best looking episodes the show ever did, Marge versus the Monorail and Cape Fear. Like, yeah, I, uh God, the and the the entire you know suit purchasing thing when i see you know get two suits for 99 bucks that does sound like a good deal to me like i'd I'd get one of those yeah i mean i don't know about you guys i'm a failure as a man and that i've most been kept away from formal occasions so i don't actually have a suit yeah no me neither i have a tie oh that's a that's all you need whenever i need to put brewer nick brewer was the same way for a long time i I don't know if he still has a if he has a suit but he didn't have it for like years and years like decades uh you have a, a suit you can wear for special occasions mark or are you rent I, I do when i have to it doesn't happen much especially these days of course but oh, yes yeah. <laughs> i'm uh yeah i should 
if Nick needs to is listening and Nick Brewer needs a suit, um, <laughs> he knows where to come. Uh, yeah, my, I have my one tie, and then like the every three years I'll need to put it on. I go to YouTube and say, "How do I do this? <laughs> Somebody teach me again." Uh, YouTube has replaced the Carls of the world. Yeah, I mean, well, the lesson Carl is treat- teaching Homer here is that you don't buy off the rack; you get it tailored like that. Uh, that guy actually does do a good job of concealing it because every scene after this, Homer is drawn like he's lost a hundred pounds. Like he's he hasn't lost weight, but if he mu- there must be some really good like girdle system in the uh, in that tailored suit they got Homer. You know, our former president had the different uh, approach to concealing it, and that right. you just like have more billowy fabric. So yes, the, the it's a mystery as to what shape is going on behind the scenes there. <laughs> I also love the shot of Homer with the I am nature's greatest miracle shot. Like that's, that's a really fun shot. Uh, and yes, uh, Homer, I, I do also love Marge's response to just hearing a male voice. She's like, he sounds good. Hire him. That's great. But uh, it comes to the next morning. Uh, Marge is happily making pancakes for breakfast. It uh, She's in, as Bart can identify, she is very satisfied yeah. right now. They've apparently. been smooching. And I like that Homer goes from like 70s businessman to a, a, a slightly more grown up hair, though not the cool 80s hair yet. He's still kind of got the wet look going, like the slicked back hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the, then Homer finds out that he forgot their anniversary, and uh, Marge actually says he has a he has a reason for forgetting it this year. Uh, but in comes a guy singing "You Are So Beautiful to Me," the uh, song made famous by Joe Cocker, which I think is what Dan is trying to. Th- that's the version he's singing as it's, the guy. It's a real over the top Joe Cocker, which I like. And yeah, yeah. Carla set this up too he's fixing every element of homer's life i love that i i love his i i love dan's like over singing of it like to me oh, you are so yeah again oh my I, goodness yeah when the anniversary when the, the he didn't get anything for uh, marge and the doorbell rings and yeah that was so funny and then he sings it yeah yeah carl uh carl did think of everything and that shot of the interior of his home like so good too like it's really again great background design like this this screams the home of cultured gay man like and and also i think the breakfast in bed thing he has tells a story too like he either made that very nicely for himself or off screen is some partner of his Mm. who served him breakfast in bed that's what i like to imagine (laughs) anyway mom and dad have been smooching again gotta run march can't be late happy anniversary homer (gasps) what our anniversary are you sure well, don't worry, homie. This year you have an excuse for not remembering. What with your job and... Happy anniversary, Mrs. Homer Simpson. You are so beautiful to me. Yeah. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? Can't you see? Hello? Mr. Simpson, it's Carl. Ah, it sounds like everything has arrived. Wonderful. You did you this? Are... Yes, sir. I hope I didn't overstep my bounds. You are so beautiful to me. I love you, Homer. I love you, Carl. It Marge. I like Homer's pronouncement of I love you too, Carl. Uh, the Marge. <laughs> uh, but yes, we then get to meet the... Uh, 
an executive board that does not exist i think any after this episode burns doesn't have any they noted on the commentary it's like burns really slimmed down his uh his executive boardroom after this they they did use this kind of set piece for other uh boardrooms but the, the joke is like all of these college educated people who have no practical ideas for the real world we'll see this yeah. later in uh the unky herb episode that's right yeah he's that's when he talks shit to all of them for going to harvard and uh which i always love a inter-harvard bad joke on the on the, such a harvardy show as the simpsons uh but yes burns is sick of hearing all these yes men proceed smithers our first issue sir is our low productivity and record high worker accident rate <sighs> any suggestions a round of layoffs might wake up the idiots we could put caffeine in the water cooler mm, well those are my ideas <clears throat> you people don't think you regurgitate that's why i promoted someone who's in touch with the workers you uh, i think you mean him sir uh, you then how would you improve the worker situation? Well, uh, well, well, sir, for one thing, we had a problem every Tuesday when the cafeteria would serve fish sticks. Fish sticks? What in blazes are you talking about? Well, sir, they cut the head off the fish and chop up the rest of the sticks and then put seasoned bread... But I on. know what fish sticks are! Get to the point! Uh, well, you only get this tiny little cup of tartar sauce to dip in them, and I always run out... Will you stop wasting our time, Simpson? Shut up, Smithers! Can't you see what he's saying? A happy worker is a busy worker. Three cents worth of tartar sauce could save us thousands of man-hours and labor. I like the cut of your jib, Simpson. <laughs> Let the fools have their tartar sauce. <laughs> Mr. Burns has clearly never heard of tartar sauce before. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I think he's lying that he's even heard of fish sticks before, too. Yeah. But I, I love that. That writing is such like an SNL standby, too, of just like the boss who's like, Ah, uh, that stupid suggestion you made? I made all the... Uh, it's exactly what he's saying. I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> like, that's... I I recall the Jeff Martin telling that story of the in writer room character that Conan would play of the uh, boss who's like, oh, do you like that idea, huh? Well, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, these things that Homer is winning for the workers are just like the cheapest and smallest gains, like yeah. just a big glob of mayonnaise and uh, <laughs> like relish on your plate. Uh, That's what we've won for you. Ladle after ladle of it. Yeah. That's uh, I. Well, I also like too that the people are giving him bad ideas, but Burns is just mad that they're saying his ideas, not that they're bad ideas, but they're being regurgitated to him. Uh, and I do. I often think when layoffs happen that they at jobs I worked at, it was like, did, what, what executive said that that would wake <laughs> us up if they they laid us off? But uh, I did catch too the female executive that design she never returns but skincare consultant rowena is the same character design but with uh changed skin color. i spotted rowena yeah a short-lived character uh i love skincare i i feel like they just didn't they, they just done it one more time it had been three times they'd uh, maybe it was just hearing phil hartman say skincare consultant rowena it's in my head yeah also did you notice next to the female exec is the giant forehead man who got the homer and cashmere photos oh yes him? yes that ridiculous like literal egghead that guy is. i think he was cycled out of the of the production eventually <laughs> May I could see the animators being like, well, what other character packs do we have of guys who work in offices? Well, we got this big head guy. What about him? And uh, I also like that the newsletter puts it as management caves into condiment outcry over, under the picture of Homer serving it up. Yeah. Uh, did we mention the uh, the health insurance newsletter yet? Did that joke pass by? Oh, yeah. No, Homer did say oh, yeah. yeah. He was asked what he got, and he's like, oh, the newsletter. Yeah. That, like, that makes me think of, like, I, so I have health insurance that I 
don't use and they punish me if i did use it but like every yeah. month they send me a newsletter it's like here are recipes and i'm like are you mocking me <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to send me this it's yeah. just a reminder that i really this is too much money and if i use it my premiums will go way up and they go up anyways every year uh, but hey they at least they printed they spent the like probably 20 cents to send you that Bob. i'm paying for peace of mind <laughs> uh and so yes Things are improving, though. I actually think Smithers is correct when he says that all the improvements are just because Homer is promoted and he's not bringing down the averages anymore. I think I think history has proven that Smithers is correct there, and Homer is that bad an employee. He brought down everything. Uh, but yeah, but I mean that's failing upwards. I uh, into executive uh, spot. I I think they could have done a if they were looking for an extra scene to do. There could have been one where Homer can't connect with Lenny and Carl anymore. Mm, like they, yeah. he's management now, and they. They don't like him they could they could have done something with that but uh i also like burns's pronouncement of my dear child old smithers <laughs> <laughs> uh but then it comes yes the i've never used an executive washroom has anybody else here been been invited into the uh the the fanciest of business bathrooms all of my bosses over the course of history have used the same bathroom as me, and they probably hated it. <laughs> I hate talking to them, too. <laughs> well, Mark, did I mean, you worked on uh, Letterman, right? Did that, Was there a was there a private secret uh, exec bathroom for Letterman? I, I don't I'm sure there was, but there's definitely a key, the bathroom key, to, to get in. And it was, you know, you had to get past the receptionist to even, yeah, I guess to go out to get to the bathroom but i'm sure dave had had one i i i, I saw him i don't think any time that i worked there except for the holiday party and uh when we took a staff photo but um yeah i'm sure dave had had that probably he probably had two of them <laughs> or at least at the cba at the at that new york office there had to be exact washrooms for like i don't know if less moonves ever comes to town perhaps oh, no <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah that was that was an extra joke i didn't mean to make there <laughs> saying his name he should be isolated <laughs> uh but yeah the i it's also you know i would think even a, a year later they'd make jokes about carl and smithers like knowing each other or something yeah. there's as far as they uh, they're strangers to each other and there's not even a joke that like they're both gay or anything uh, yeah they really played up more uh, smithers was just like such a sycophant that he would even be gay for his boss he yeah, would be like yeah. f- sexually attracted to his boss he's, but then they're like let's just broadly he's gay in general yeah though i guess too in season two there's in blood feud there is a cut line of smithers saying like just leave me enough blood to get me home to my wife so they yeah uh, they i think season two smithers definitely is a straight man who is in love with uh burns but that's the only man he's in love with and then by season three he is a gay man who also among the men he is attracted to is attracted to charles montgomery burns for some reason but uh, i like to imagine that carl and smithers have a romantic history that they are ignoring in the workplace they're like let's (laughs) let's pretend we don't know each other uh and yes homer is taken out of that gross bathroom i talked about before uh walked to the executive washroom apparently the i read on a that this is a reference to will success spoil rock hunter hmm. for uh, that frank tashlin movie when he's given a, a big management uh, promotion but uh, i i didn't watch the whole film i watched some clips from it online i mean it looks like a great film i probably should uh you know familiarize myself more with the works of the great frank tashlin but i i have not seen that film just though i do know it's where uh jay manfield met uh, that 
Hargate guy and all right. uh, the that would birth the uh, Mariska Hargate hey. we all know and love on yeah. SVU. But uh, but yes, Homer now also just has Gordon Gecko hair as well. Yeah, like he is full like a uh, Wall Street man. I guess also Trump hair if you want yeah. to say that. I mean, he's Trump hair. That is the look. Yeah, that's the yeah. look. It's uh, like that uh, we've said it before, but like Donald Trump has existed so long that he was a well-established person by the time the Simpsons aired like every he was a nationally famous man at that point but uh I did also like hearing on the commentary VD point out that he's like he he wished Rich Moore was there because he could apologize to him for all the crazy interiors they demanded they design (laughs) and this washroom with like you know a three-piece uh symphony in there and that (laughs) (laughs) and and a waterfall with exotic birds well he's also doing more than he needs to do the director because uh uh, we didn't cover the whole scene yet, but when the scene ends, the tiles on the floor like transition to the windows in the building at night. It's yeah. an amazing transition. It's still very impressive 30 years later. I really liked when um, I think it was Burns dropped. Um, he washed his hands with with uh, the pond water that was coming in <laughs> through a statue from a statue and just dropped it. And then, like, right away, there was somebody that's job was just to take his paper towels off the floor. Yeah, the way that little guy, like, just runs in off screen. Yeah. Like, just yeah. This. It, was, <laughs> it was like the U.S. Open. It was like a ball person, like a ball boy or girl at the U.S. Open. It reminded me. Ball. They were really quick. It reminded me of the Alamo Draft House when they deliver your food. Oh, yes. Yeah. When they were movie theaters. When, it was when, a long time when ago. When those existed, yes. Remember those times. But, uh, but yes, Homer uh, meets up with a very different Burns in the bathroom. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. Oh, hey ho, men. You know, I was watching the Dumont last night, and I happened to catch a fascinating documentary on Rummel, the Desert Fox. Now, there's a man who could get things done. Down, please, Simpson. Allow me, sir. I said Simpson. But, uh, sure thing, Mr. Burns. Well done, Simpson. Now, walk behind me down the hallway. Can do, sir. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, it's Smithers just destroyed by this too. Yeah. I really enjoy how the, just the high class nature of this place is immediately cut by the sound of a toilet flushing and then Burns walking through these squeaky batwing doors. Oh yeah, just like this <laughs> this huge like low class moment just cutting through the high class atmosphere. That is a good job. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and also Burns calling TV uh, the Dumont, yes. which uh, that's and good. The Dumont Network. Uh, no one really knows when the last broadcast was, but it was probably in 1956. <laughs> So Mr. Burns uh, is really misremembering where he was. So, though it does feel like when an executive would tell you, like, oh, I was watching a documentary on a Nazi last night, and that guy gets things done. I I think it, as uh, the heightening of Burns' jokes would continue, I think you could imagine him having personal dealings with Rommel, in, <laughs> like, or that he would have met him in, like, 1938 at some business function. Uh, as, as Burns would say, he, he built bombs for the Nazis, and they worked, damn it. Uh, but yeah, this the Smithers here who gets so mad at this, this is such a completely different Smithers to me. This is a Smithers who wants to move up the ranks in a business. Like, this is a Smithers who's like, he's toadying to get a promotion and to get more power. Like, to me now, thinking of Waylon Smithers as a guy who wants power or more success, that that's not Smithers at all to me. He's also upset that these pathetic tasks that he used to do are being taken from him, like drawing his boss's hands. That really makes him mad. Like, yes. someone else is drawing his hands <laughs> yeah someone's walking closely behind him uh and yeah my god that cross dissolve amazing like so ambitious to go from the tile floor to the 
to the tiles of the or the windows of the building just uh such a lovely shot and, and when smithers pulls uh, homer's file we get some non-canonical information about him including his date of birth which at this point in the series is may 10th 1955 <laughs> so homer is 35 in this episode wow which now he'd be 65 if this the date of birth rang true still to this Ugh, day but they they yeah. change it they change it it was funny on the commentary when they were talking about homer's age to hear gene at the time had recently gone through he's like i rem- I, I remember when i got older than homer and didn't like that feeling and now uh i we're close to is uh, when we hit 40 we will be older than homer has canonically been in the series which uh it happens to all of us it's not just the big 4-0 it's it's aging past homer that's what it is uh i'm all i'll always be older than george costanza at this point in my life so man don't don't like like it no (laughs) but yeah the the scheming shot of smithers like him shadowed and cackling like that's the closest in the show smithers ever got to being the evil arcade video game boss that's true that really is true uh but yes uh they cut to the next day it's uh the happy backyard of the simpsons with all the fun toys bart's treehouse is now a tree castle which do those get repossessed after homer loses his job i gotta think that i think so, so yeah <laughs> and marge at least they're setting up the fall from grace already by saying like just because homer has this fancy job you have to let us know he has saved no money and so that's how he'll be screwed next and but, I, I really like that line uh, there isn't a cloud in the simpson sky in the next scene it's cloudy yeah just to yeah. let you know things bad things are happening for homer visually even and lisa's line about an absence of mood swings and some stability in my life uh that also feels like another time where lisa is pointing out i'm in a sitcom and everything changes for me all the time and this is crazy uh and and al Jean, uh has a fun m- comment on there when homer says he's gonna buy her a pony that's when he was like oh gonna back pocket that uh, that'll, that'll that's an episode we can do which he would do the next season i do think in the the homer's last hair look uh, as he meets with burns for this last bit of scenes it's this weird like pompadour i can't really place what it's it's supposed to be i can't figure out what they're doing yeah it's kind of lumpy yes yeah Uh, he got rid of that ponytail pretty quickly but uh but yes he's assigned to give a big speech the second he leaves smithers enters and tells burns that uh that health insurance fraud has been committed by one of the executives smithers doesn't name homer as mm. as it it's weird that he doesn't say that but i love that burn sees it as like i was gonna buy that every back scratcher too <laughs> seems like homer is in a lot of trouble one of your executives has built the company insurance plan out of a thousand dollars what bless his hide the hades oh, and i was going to buy that ivory back scratcher how did he do it? Well, he charged the company for Demoxinil. It's a baldness cure. Thank you very much, Professor Science. I know what Demoxinil is. Now, go and make an example of this hooligan. With pleasure, sir. Carl, you gotta help me. Mr. Burns wants me to make some speech to his executives and... <clears throat> what do you want? Oh, just thought I'd drop by to tell you that you're fired. What? <laughs> Our company does not look kindly upon $1,000 worth of insurance fraud. Clean out your desk by noon, Simpson. Wait, Mr. Smithers. Uh, Homer Simpson is innocent. I did this. You did? What are you talking about? Mr. Simpson was unaware of any impropriety. I take full responsibility. Really? Oh. Well, then you're fired, whoever you are. (laughs) Here's your thousand dollars. Hey, what do you care if this guy's bald? My reasons are my own. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's uh it's a bit of a cheat i will say in that uh i mean smithers has a vendetta against homer it's weird that he would just bend so quickly to be like oh yeah. i guess this is fine then i don't he care just anymore accepts it. he's like oh wait well yeah you could say like so you forged homer's signature you went to this guy like yeah smithers could dig for it more and prove that homer did it but he just kind of gives up yeah i and that carl not only like uh accepts being fired but also gives a thousand dollars away too which though at that point i asked myself like homer should have asked carl for a thousand dollars to buy him more yeah. hair like if he's like well if you're giving away a thousand bucks carl he has just just become a guardian angel character at this point in the story yeah yeah it's uh i just love his delivery like the also not just his delivery but the animation he like he does a kind of a dramatic turn when he says my reasons are my own that's great i uh it's I, and that smithers is uh says like whoever you are that may i again i want <laughs> to believe smithers is pretending he doesn't know who carl is you would think the gay community in, in springfield is is a tight-knit one probably you you know each other pretty well especially in 1990 <laughs> and uh and smithers tie is miscolored blue for some of this scene too so they're still you know the uh, overseas acom they're still figuring it out i i also think carl's gonna get another job very fast seeing as how he is incredibly skilled <laughs> at what he does i think he doesn't need to worry about he's that. a great interviewee yeah oh yeah uh, but uh, yes, Carl leaves. Uh, he says he did it like any soldier would do, jumping on the grenade to save his, his commander. And uh, I also, it's, it's just so sweet how he throws Homer his umbrella and gets wet. It's and like even sneezes. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's just uh, sacrificing everything for this man for this idiot like yeah it's uh homer and homer like kind of wipes away a tear but you only see it from the back but you can tell it did really touch him and then as homer's driving back home vd goofs on his own writing here saying that homer is like stating his motivations out loud and that's not the best writing i i like that uh but yeah i mean you need to let people know like you got your hair you got your hair oh man the big speech like you you, you got to remind us of all the stakes so of course as it could only happen bart must destroy homer's life in the <laughs> end it has to be bart's fault uh in bart's dream sequence i love his beatnik design it's a funny looking design i i also noticed that millhouse and lewis have their voices swapped in it's this true yeah be a goof them up there it's weird to get have see uh lewis get get a scene you know yes, where he's doing yeah. something and not just sitting in the background but still uh, still early lewis uh, lewis is still one of bart's best friends at this point millhouse is his number one best friend but uh, you know, two years later, I don't know, probably be Nelson in the stream sinks or just Millhouse. Is Dancing Homer uh, next in production? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, no, wait, it's Treehouse, then Dancing Homer. Okay, yeah. so yeah, and that episode is established that they're best friends. Yes, uh, Spit Brothers even. Actually, you know what? Now I think about that Dancing Homer episode. Homer must have made $1,000 from that job. Like, buy more Demox and Elvis. Again, it was taken off the markets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some monsterism was called. Caused. Uh, but, uh, yes, Bart splashes some on his face and... Then, honestly, Homer has to be blamed for this because he surprises Bart and Bart drops it. Then, when Homer could have picked it up off the floor and stopped it from all spilling out, he instead chases after Bart and lets it all spill. So, Or, like, if it's that important, just lock it up. Yeah, leaving it laying around. I, uh, or, buy, with all that money, buy more than one jug. Yeah, <laughs> buy, 
Buy more than a six-month supply. Buy a three-year supply, Homer. But yes, as Homer chases after him, he gets probably the closest to murdering Bart for real he ever did in the show. Like, and it's it it I know it's supposed to be played for comedy, but Bart saying I love you to Homer to prevent his murder <laughs> is actually very dark. It's a dirty trick. Yes. Uh but yes, Homer nearly kills Bart in this next clip. trick okay i'm not gonna kill you but i'm gonna tell you three things that are gonna haunt you for the rest of your days you ruined your father you crippled your family and baldness is hereditary it is (laughs) (laughs) why don't you just call the pharmacy and i don't have a thousand bucks but you do don't you marge you do you do you've been squirreling it away haven't you saving it for a rainy day that's what you said right 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 homer (laughs) dad is taking this in a less than heroic fashion Uh, him sobbing as he rubs, rubs his, his head hair. on the ground oh god lisa lisa uh is a great topper to that joke mm-hmm. just like yeah this is incredibly sad to see your father do this in all future versions of bart though that we've seen uh he has his hair so he, he yeah, kept it so he's not fully bald there's at best it's like a slight hairline you uh, going back but otherwise yeah like in the future where bart is uh chief justice of the supreme court he still has his hair he's still though i guess maybe if you're at that level he can afford uh demoxanel all day long you know i i like the kind of like weird wall-eyed look on bart when he says it is <laughs> that's uh that's a good little gag and and also a bit i noticed this time is like when homer's saying squirreling it away for a rainy day right right yeah I, yeah he's reaching into marge's hair where we saw that's where she keeps the money jar in the first yeah. episode to air so yeah like it's really brief you can hear there's like foley of, of his hand going into the hair you can hear yeah. it even which you wouldn't i think in sound design in season three they wouldn't do that but uh it's uh i feel i wonder if that you know was intentional on the writer's side or if it was just on the artist's side they're like oh homer should be searching for the the jar of money in her hair while he's begging for <laughs> on his knees like and it's just so broken uh but again it's all his fault like this and that m- demoxanel makes your hair fall out instantly if you don't if you miss one night your hair is gone seems like a real scam to me <laughs> real scam and flam there homer destroyed his hair's all gone the next morning he comes in wearing his fisherman cap smithers i think already knows homer has lost his hair and is is uh again just like cackling at, the, at homer being suicidally depressed about this speech let say don't don't hang yourself or yeah uh, don't, uh, you're not gonna hang yourself are you yeah but uh but homer has another guard another guardian angel moment here you are one of springfield's very special creatures your obedient servant, Carl. Good luck, sir. Ah! Carl, so that wasn't just a sweet voice I heard inside my head. <laughs> what are you doing here? I just came to say goodbye to the gals in the typing pool. Yeah, well, thanks for the speech, Carl. But I can't give it. Look at me! I guess I haven't taught you anything. What do you mean? Don't you see? The tartar sauce, the bathroom key, drying your boss's hands. You did it all. It was never the hair. You did it because you believed you could and you still can. No, I can't. I'm just a big fool. Oh, no, you're not. How do you know? Because my mother taught me never to kiss a fool. (laughs) Carl. Now go 
Get him, Tiger. <laughs> I nice butt slap. Yeah, good. A very uh, strong butt slap on Homer that you can hear it so loudly. So I guess this was uh, an important moment in uh, television that was like really glossed over, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it, historically. Well, it It is a man-on-man kiss in a cartoon, like, which they joke on the commentary that they got away with it. Like, Bugs Bunny kissed Elmer Fudd all the time, so we could do it. But yeah, it is. I do mark that on Mission Hill, you know, almost a decade later, it's a bigger thing because it is two gay men kissing with romantic intent instead of like, And with consent, not like surprising a a straight man with a kiss like Carl does. Yeah, which is intent matters in those kind of things. But it is still, it is kind of a big moment that that just goes by, you know. I, I feel like lots of shows, so many shows say like they have the first man-on-man kiss i i had never seen a voiceover joke like that before too that you think you think the voice is in homer's head but yeah. he's, he's reading it out loud to him the entire time it's one of the many ways they would play with that idea like a character is hearing a voice but the person is actually there in some way <laughs> and like he he literally teleports into the office it's not a big office he's behind homer reading the letter there's yeah, no time for him to enter the office after smithers leaves so i like he is magic unless there's a secret secret door some uh, somewhere on the like maybe on the fourth wall is another door but yes yeah, smithers honestly should have been like oh hey what are you doing here i fired you you're not allowed on the premises he should smithers should have seen carl when he was talking to homer i think they are just playing up how magical he is he can just appear because he is homer's guardian angel at this point it's a tyler durden kind of reveal actually <laughs> like only homer and smithers can see him i like his little gals in the typing pool line too that's funny but the uh you know eight-year-old me the term phonetically i didn't know that term and that it's a good joke that homer mispronounces phonetically because it wasn't spelled out to him phonetically oh i thought the joke was that it uh, phonetically was spelled out phonetically oh so he says phonetically uh no he says it correctly all right yes listeners at home (laughs) settle this fight uh and uh but yes homer homer is given a big uh pep talk but it actually turns out that homer was right the entire time nobody listens to you if you don't look a certain way i uh they find other ways to do this in the future but i always love an intercutting uh undercutting of it was you all along yes that did it uh and that actually this ending is pretty similar to the dance and homer one where you see homer trying his hardest oh, right. and then this cuts to uh snide people saying stuff uh but in this case it's about how he's bald it's so great because he has so much confidence and is just speaking you know so that he, he he pretty much takes the stage and you really believe he he's saying these words and i mean it's like a plan that could actually save the company money yeah it's just so funny i was laughing so hard <laughs> when people just because of the hair even though he would have saved the company it's tons of money they just yeah yeah they had to leave <laughs> and carl taught him all of these skills to exist in this world but it ultimately doesn't matter because he needs to look to still yeah. fit into this world <laughs> he and you know his speech must be perfect because carl wrote it so it's though i guess really if 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 homer had succeeded on this day carl was gone from his life like this was the last gift of carl so it's like could homer have succeeded the next time he needed carl what happens then it's like if homer can't uh carl gives him this whole speech about like it was never the hair it was like well it was also carl and without carl homer can't really do anything uh but yes uh here's here's homer's big speech what in blazes? Who is that old geezer? And what has he done with Homer Simpson? <laughs> he is Homer Simpson, sir. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> a lot of you would think I was crazy if I did this. 
He's crazy! Yet we at this power plant are doing this every hour of every day. Bloated inventories, outmoded production methods. I can save this company millions of dollars a year. How? Through Jiko Kanri, the Japanese art of self-management. This bald man has no ideas. This is a joke. I'm not laughing. Some nerve telling us how to run the plant. He doesn't even have hair. <laughs> Inefficiently mining uranium that can be purchased quite cheaply on the foreign markets. The long-term benefits more than offsetting the one-time cost for net savings of 5,000 money. Mr. Burns' office, right now. Dead man coming through. Jesus. Yeah. Man, what a dick. Smithers is much nicer to Homer after this. I uh I guess after he's defeated him, he's he, he isn't out to destroy Homer. He's again. more just frustrated by him not actively, you know, trying to ruin his life. But yeah, Jigo Connery is real. What it is is very boring and not important, but it's based on this thing Toyota did in the late eighties. Throughout uh, the eighties, it was their management system that people were trying to copy because, you know, uh Japan was a major player in the world economy in the eighties before they had their own crash in the early nineties. And what it was was uh, that system was like visually representing the workflow on a giant chart with like index cards mm. and that way workers knew like their place in the chain uh, okay. and uh, it also involved letting them self-manage their work while still having them be held accountable to management so it's a lot of things it's all very boring but it is based on a real thing so that's it's, like the early version of the org chart we all got to yes know. yes <laughs> yes exactly uh, well Bob I believe you because you have a lovely head of hair and I listen Thank to you. every word you just said it's but. uh yeah <laughs> Uh, you can trust me. This it's not going anywhere. I'm yanking on it now. Uh, but yeah, they did. They didn't make up Jiko Conry. So uh, I, I, th I wonder if like what maybe VD read like a Forbes that was had recently been published explaining this whole thing. I, I, uh, or someone must have had to write like, okay, I actually have to write a good speech that could be presented as a manager. Like that's a challenge in and of itself. And yeah, the cuts to I especially love um, Rowena's. I'll just call her that. Her, her thing like he doesn't even have hair like that's just it it's just over her so poor homer just like ruined he just uh, walking away but you think he's gonna be fired only because he gave a bad speech like burns is like you're done like that's <laughs> that's it i i also love that this is something they embellish much more in in our uh in like the scully years we were talking about but when somebody who's giving a presentation says something is like a very canned phrase like you'll think i'm crazy and then having an audience member react as extremely as possible in the expected way like he's crazy mm -hmm. like that's such a great joke that moon money is mine yeah <laughs> uh or like he's got fever <gasps> a bit <laughs> dance, dance fever, fever. yeah <laughs> we get a, a last scene here with homer and burns as burns resets the status quo as he loves to do and uh this has a bit of burns uh well continuity that then turns into discontinuity in this next clip well 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 our dashing young junior executive you made a hollow mockery of our morning meeting simpson i should fire you on the spot but i'm not going to uh why simpson how old do you think i am i don't know 102 <laughs> i'm only 81 you may find this hard to believe but in my salad days, my crowning glory was a bright shock of strawberry blonde curls. Oh, I was big man on campus until my senior year, when I became as bald as a plucked chicken. You see, Simpson, I too know the sting of 
male pattern baldness. That's why I'm giving you your old job back. What? Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you! Oh, now get out of here before I reconsider. <laughs> oh, better hurry up. <laughs> so yeah, Burns in this episode, he's a spry 81, and in uh, maybe five years, he'd be 104. Yep, yeah. And that for the rest of time. So hearing him say he's 81, I'm like, wow, Burns is so young. It's the youngest he's ever been. It's he's... a realistic age for someone, you know, in his position. Yeah, for a guy in 1909, for him to have been born in 1909, it made sense for the Burns they had been writing to that point, but... You know, again, by season three, they're making jokes about how he he had apparently seen Civil War baseball players play like it. Uh, it 1909 doesn't really fit for Burns's age. I the, that makes it even funnier that Homer. The joke already is Homer very insultingly guesses 102 on <laughs> Burns. Uh, but actually, Homer's off by two years with what Homer's uh, what Burns's real age would be in Who Shot Mr. Burns Part One. That's where it was established when Skinner says to Burns, uh, like, he of course would recognize the city's most famous 104 year old man. And I also like his uh, I like his line about the sting and male pattern baldness. Also, the great the great drawings of the photographs of what yeah. like 1900 photographs looks like of people especially that he's like in basically a dress as a little boy like <laughs> with his his very long strawberry blonde curls uh though uh that doesn't uh, burns in other flashbacks in his 40s he does uh, well he at least has like a comb over in in ones like in the flashback of him meeting uh the larry burns's mother he sort of has hair or at least he's doing the the giuliani comb over thing well they said he lost his hair like a senior year right of like college i guess yeah that's true yeah <laughs> and a very adr line on homer's like better Ooh, hurry up better and leave. It's, yeah it's it's also the nicest burns ever has been of giving homer his job back and he only does it because it's like you got to reset things like this yeah. is the end of the episode that's uh, some rare empathy for burns <laughs> And uh, and yeah, Mark, the the your favorite bit you were talking about the this very sweet scene. Uh, I'll it's mostly just singing, so I'll I'll just insert it. Homer, are you still awake? I've never been more awake in my life. What's wrong? Are you kidding? I'm stuck in that dead end job again. The kids are gonna hate me because I can't buy them all the stuff I promised them, and you're not gonna love me as much because I'm ugly and bald. Oh, Homer, your job has always put food on our table, and the kids will get over it. And? And what about loving me? Oh, Homer, I... Come here. What? Come here. You are so beautiful to me. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? Oh. You're everything that I hope for. I'm everything you need. You I are so beautiful, beautiful to me. You. Having it be like Marge and Homer in bed talking about the the story, like that's also a very early years kind yeah. of thing for the show, but it's it's super touching. And I really feel like you can tell that Dan and Julie are together, especially when Marge is trying to comfort Homer and he's re he doesn't want her to, and she's like, mm. "Come here, come here." You could tell like they're together. Yeah, it feels like they're together. Yeah. 
and there's such great like real acting to how homer's like because i'm ugly and bald and like marge when marge wants him to come here he won't look at her like he's too he you can see that one he was being so like vulnerable to her and now even privately with his wife like he's actually kind of ashamed that he was that vulnerable and he just is looking away like it's it's really touching it just mm-hmm. feels it is a a realer relationship than the show often portrays in the show because you know it's funnier to be crazy and all that but this kind of like sweet moment of marge singing homer the song back to let him know she loves him no matter how he looks like it's it's is really touching and there's a there's a bit of comedy because when homer joins in he's agreeing with her yes i am so beautiful to you yes yeah. <laughs> he's not doing it as a typical duet he's singing it from her perspective yeah. uh it's like a level of stupidness but also like selfishness on his part that he doesn't realize but it's a very he needs yeah, it he needs yeah. this moment he's he's you know he earned it i guess and marge marge only has to be a supportive wife in this episode but it's uh which he also has to be in dancing homer this actually this is all is is kind of a homer gets a new job episode too it really but, is yeah yeah so i i only categorize dancing homer in my mind as the homer gets a new job episode of the season but this really is that as well it's just i guess i never thought of it that way because it's within the same uh, power yeah. plant but yeah they they're doing these pretty early then yeah uh but yeah very a very touching ending i like hearing like julie singing is just really sweet too i wish it was uh that going back to our table read mark it was so funny like uh julie kavner had humorous she was there and and she did a great job but she was given almost nothing to do in the script (laughs) of that day you know i couldn't believe she was there i mean i had been um, i think two other times and she wasn't there so I was really surprised and it was so cool that she was there, but you're right. It was a real treat for us. Maybe it was that like Hank Azaria was there when he normally wasn't. And it was like, everybody wanted to be there just to see Hank when he was in town. Special occasion. Yeah. And I'm happy to report that uh, we did this five years ago and still, I'm not looking into Rogaine. Oh yeah. Still yeah. hanging on there. <laughs> uh, Up yeah. top. Yeah. My, uh, my hair is, uh, it's a little thinner than I like than it was uh, a few years ago but uh still i don't need it yet yeah knocking on wood there uh, when play we, the death <laughs> jingle for henry's hair <laughs> no i i'll play it's the anti-death jingle for it uh maybe i should be investing in those hymns you know those ads sound pretty convincing yeah. on other should, pay us some money we're talking them up uh, <laughs> yeah you know what i shouldn't be saying their name <laughs> <laughs> but uh mark thank you for being on the show please talk about your podcast uh it's amazing again uh it's a part of like entertainment history i was barely alive for but i find it so fascinating your guests are like you get some really big yeah. guests you get some really obscure guests who are actually like super important to the history of late night tv so please talk about it oh thank you yeah the carson podcast you can go to itunes it's been fun over 300 interviews and yeah some of the simpsons people al gene and uh talked to um, mike reese as you mentioned and then patrick verone who's a former carson writer he wrote um at least one simpsons uh script and so did seth green he was on the podcast um for that but it's pretty much a you know, taking 30 years of uh, Carson show, which was the, if you want to see that what the, uh, hear about what the culture was, the politics and just the entertainment uh, of that era from 62 to 92. It really it really is an education. I mean, we've had a lot of famous people on like Mel Brooks, Carol Burnett. But a lot of times the best people are just the behind the scenes people and the writers and like the person who opened the curtain for Johnny. So I never <laughs> imagined we'd be doing those 300 episodes. Thir- 300th episode, we had Bob Euchre. 
Uh, he went on 60 times with Carson. So, wow. uh, yeah, it was a really, really good time. I, I want to ask you guys one thing. Sure. So I was one of the one of the Simpsons uh, table reads. I, I, I doesn't say this online, but I remember very vividly being at the table read and they introduced the director of the episode right before they, they started the table read. And it was Richard Donner. But he is not listed in anything and mm. i it was definitely he was there maybe he was just visiting but like they definitely introduced him and uh there was applause everyone was applauding but maybe maybe he was just visiting but i really thought that uh when they announced him he he was the guest director that, mm. that week uh, but i didn't know if you had any insight no I, no I no don't think he directed or or, or uh, like appeared on episode and that to me sounds like they were like celebrating just like the guest of honor who was there that day or just although like, uh, i would like to see a richard donner directed simpsons now yes, yeah, that would be yeah it was really really strange but um i mean it was so cool because like i guess famous people go to those um all the time but um yeah that was pretty pretty cool just I, to I, be at the, the table reads i have some info for you so apparently uh simpsons writer tim long is uh is friends with richard donner so maybe uh, that's why he was there okay it could absolutely be i'm not sure i just thought they said he was involved but i guess not uh, um I, I think in there I that that story reminds me of our our friend and previous guest on the show Alex Navarro he could have gone to a Simpsons table read while he was in LA but he uh he couldn't make it he had to cancel on it and so two of his friends went instead and at that table read the guest on the episode was Werner Herzog and he was there and he uh, I think will forever regret that not only <laughs> did he miss a Simpsons table read but he also got to he didn't get to meet Werner Herzog the great director uh which uh, yeah we I and we got I mean yeah we got Hank Azari and Kevin Pollock the same day that was quite uh, oh yeah I forgot cool. Kevin Pollock was there and we we talked to him I for, totally forgot a, mm -hmm. a, about that because he was he you probably you've talked about this on the show I'm sure but he um he got a phone call and um he was who was he filling in for and who oh, Shearer, was the one Shearer, yeah Harry Shearer. oh yeah and James L Brooks was the one that um because usually Harry is on the speaker phone and uh sometimes other people on but um, yeah, that was big of Kevin Pollock just to stroll in, just to do it as a favor. Yeah, actually, now I remember that Selman at the start of it presented it as a big deal. Like, and guys, at today's special announcement, no one's on speakerphone. Yay! Big round of applause there. I couldn't there, believe yeah. it because what normally happened when I the, the, was I, I was there the other two times, I guess, Ian Maxstone Graham, who was a writer for a, a while there, I think he got a producer credit, would go around and, um, you know, there's a sign about turning off your cell phones and I mentioned it, but he would do a thing where he would go around the room and just emphasize phones off, phones <laughs> off. Ooh. And then they would they would have uh, the, 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 just the one phone that was on the table and it was Harry Shear and usually maybe two, two other people, something like that. So, um, yeah, that was that was that was huge. It really, really was. And to have Matt Grady in there because he wasn't there the other two times. And I heard, I guess he's going to them all now. But when I mentioned it to him, like, oh, it's so cool you're here, he seemed um kind of like taken back. He's like, well, of course, it's like you know my my name. And I'm like, you weren't there the two other times. But um, yeah, it was so cool that he was there. I I think they all knew the world's biggest Simpsons podcast was there, That's so they right. had they to were, be there they for, were us. Showing off that for us. Yeah. Had to be it. That had to that explains be everything. <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for being on the show, Mark. Oh, thank you for asking me. I really, really appreciate that. And you guys do such a good job. Oh, and thank you. So thanks again to Mark Malkoff for being on the show. Be sure to check out the Carson podcast. It is excellent. 
But as for us, if you want to check out all of our other podcasts and get these episodes one week at a time and ad free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up there for five bucks a month. You'll get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall that includes all of the bonus podcasts we've made since the summer of 2017. That is too many to mention here in this plug section, but the most recent miniseries we did was Talking Futurama Season 2, Part 2. That was nine new episodes of Talking Futurama. And if you are behind the $5 paywall, there is two new miniseries coming at you in 2021. So you're going to want to stay on the Patreon to uh, listen to those when they come out uh, in the course of the next year. But also, if you are on the Patreon at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons at the $10 level, you will also access one mega-long podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, where me and Bob cover an animated feature film in the same style that we do for animated series each week on our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, which you definitely should be listening to to each month we cover an animated feature film in depth we do the history we go scene by scene simpson style as well often for over four hours on films as diverse as recent ones like the anime classic the end of evangelion the stop motion uk icon wallace and gromit curse of the were rabbit and so so many before that over two years worth of what a cartoon movies i'd say uh, 120 hours of them that you can listen to and all of the five dollar stuff in addition to it if you're a ten dollar and up subscriber at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and also that ten dollars a month you get things like our video commentary on all of the deleted scenes of seasons 11 10 9 8 going back to i think season 7 you can hear all of that. So please sign up today, 10 bucks a month even, at patreon.com slash talking Simpson. So as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast, by the way, is Retronauts. That's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash Retronauts. Sign up there for two bonus episodes every month. Henry, how about you? Why I'm Henry Gilbert, and you can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I am saying so many funny things on there. You got to pay attention to me, please. Also, if you're following me and Bob on Twitter, you got to follow the official Twitter account of the Talking Simpsons podcast, and that is at Talk Simpsons Pod. At Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter is where you will stay in the loop when new episodes go live of this podcast, of What a Cartoon, of Patreon exclusives, free feed, all of that stuff, cool new announcements. You will stay in the loop if you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. So please do it today. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week with Season 12's A Tale of Two Springfields. Why, 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 you haven't been here in 20 years. Hey, you got rid of the sideburn. <laughs> Give me the usual.